Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Before the internet, before cell phones, before rollerblades, there was a time. Everybody on the dance floor. Very nice, Grandma Molly. When Robbie Hart was the most popular wedding singer around. You spend me right now, baby, right now. Like a record, baby, right now, round, round. Hey, somebody get some pants on that kid. Until he got stood up his own wedding. I woke up this morning and I realized I'm about to marry a wedding singer? Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! New Line Cinema presents Is it true that you're in the middle of a nervous breakdown? Whoopity-doo! Adam Sandler Hey, psycho. Get out of my Van Halen t-shirt before you jinx the band and they break up. And Drew Barrymore You're the wedding singer. How you doing? I'm Robbie. I'm Julia. In a story about finding love where you least expect it. Uh Uh-oh. What? You like her. No, I don't. This is my fiancé, Glenn. I don't even know your last name. It's Gulia. Julia's last name is going to be Gulia. Julia Gulia. That's funny. Why is that funny? I, I don't know. I just... Now, the girl of his dreams is about to marry Mr. Wrong. That's grade A, top choice meat. Good morning. You can make breakfast for men? Unless he can pull off the performance of a lifetime. She and Glenn just jumped a plane to Vegas. Go get him. All right, all right. Are you thinking of leaving Glenn for the wedding singer? He's more than a lover. What do you think of the jacket? I don't know, man. I would lose that glove. You look nuts. He's more than a legend. You are the worst wedding singer in the world, buddy. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! The Wedding Singer. I said hip-hop. I hip it to the hip to the hip-hip-hop. You don't stop the rock to the bang-bang-boom. You say up, jump the boom to the rhythm of the boogie the beat. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie The Wedding Singer from 1998. The studio was New Line Cinema. The release date was February 13, 1998. The running time, 100 minutes, and it was rated PG-13. The budget was $18 million. The box office took in $80 million, making it the 24th ranked film of 1998. Now, that was domestic gross. It made an extra $43 million internationally. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 72% fresh from 67 reviews. Their consensus is, it's decidedly uneven and surprisingly sappy for an early Adam Sandler comedy, but The Wedding Singer is also sweet, funny, and beguiling. However, Roger Ebert at the time, not a fan, gave it 1 out of 4 stars. Here's his review. The Wedding Singer tells a story of, yes, a wedding singer from New Jersey, who is cloyingly sweet at some times and a cruel monster at others. The filmmakers are obviously unaware of his split personality. The screenplay reads like a collaboration between Jekyll and Hyde. Did anyone at any stage give the story the slightest thought? The plot is so familiar that the end credits should have issued a blanket thank you to a century of Hollywood love comms. I spent the weekend looking at old Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movies, which basically had the same plot. 
the big differences between Astaire and Rodgers in Swing Time and Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore in The Wedding Singer is that one, in 1936, they were more sophisticated than we are now and knew that the plot was inane and had fun with that fact. And two, they could dance. One of the sad byproducts of the dumbing down of America is that we are now forced to witness the goofy plots of the 1930s played sincerely, as if they were really deep. The basic miscalculation in Adam Sandler's career plan is to ever play the lead. He is not a lead. He is a best friend, or the creep, or the loser boyfriend. He doesn't have the voice to play a lead. Even at his most sincere, he sounds like he's doing stand-up, like he's mocking a character in a movie he saw last night. Barrymore, however, has the stuff to play a lead. I commend you once again to watch the underrated Mad Love. But what is she doing in this one? In a plot, even her grandfather would have found old-fashioned. At least when she gets a good line, she knows how to handle it. The best laughs in the film come right at the top, in an unbilled cameo by the invaluable Steve Buscemi as a drunken best man who makes a shambles of the wedding toast. He has the timing, the presence, and the intelligence to go right to the edge. Sandler, however, always keeps something in reserve. His talent. It's like he's afraid of committing. He holds back so he can use the only kidding defense. I could bore you with more plot details, but why bother? And why even mention that the movie is set in the mid-1980s and makes a lot of mid-1980s references that are supposed to be funny but sound exactly like the lame dialogue? And what about the curious cameos by faded stars and then inexplicably cast character actors? And why do they write a role of a boy George clone for Alexis Arquette and then do nothing with the character except let him hang there on the screen? And why do the tourist section of the plane have fewer seats than in first class? And, 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 and that's the end of Ebert's review. Yeah, Ebert absolutely hated the film, but audiences adored it. And it's often considered a favorite of even non-fans of Adam Sandler. So sometimes even the best critics can be wrong, I guess. And frankly, this makes sense from a critic's point of view. Sandler has never made films for critical acclaim, but audiences, more often than not, saw his films in droves, and he was consistently a box office darling, so you have to admire him for that. All right, let's get into the film. So for the most part, I'm going to avoid getting in-depth into the music of the film because I'm going to leave that to our guests, Stephen Michael and Sonny Pooney from the Growing Up Rock podcast, not later in this episode, but later in a crossover episode that I'll explain later. So the film opens with a montage of a wedding party with Robbie Hart, played by Adam Sandler, leading his band in a rendition of You Spin Me Round by the band Dead or Alive. It's amazing, and it's over-the-top babies dancing galore. The year, 1985. All right, everybody, come on, out on the dance floor. Whoa, look at the happy couple. No exceptions, up out of your chairs. private number baby all i know is that to me you look like you're lots of fun open up them loving arms i want some want some i said my sights on you i know who else will do and i i got to 
you lots of fun. Open up them loving arms. Watch out here, I come. You spin me right round, baby, right round like a record, baby, right round, round, round. You spin me right round, baby, right round like a record, baby, right round, round, round. Hey, somebody get some pants on that kid. <laughs> To be your friend, Grandma Molly, I'm talking to you. I would like to move in just a little bit closer. All I know is that to me, you look like you're lots of fun. Open up your loving arms, watch out, here I come. You spin me right round, baby, right round. Like a record, baby, right round, round, round. You spin me. After the song ends, it's time for the toast, which is given in a cringeworthy but hilarious fashion by Steve Buscemi, who is as great as always. Um, when my brother Harold asked me to be the best man at his wedding, I was like, oh, of course, man, because you've always been there for me. Like when I was in rehab, and uh, like the time I couldn't find my car. Because <laughs> Harold, you know, he's always been the dependable one. And I've always been the screwed up one. Right, Dad? <laughs> Why can't you be more like your brother? Uh, Harold would never beat up his landlord. <laughs> he's drunk as shit. <laughs> but, uh... Little newsflash, Pop. <laughs> Harold ain't so perfect. Remember that time in Puerto Rico when we picked up those two, uh... Well, I guess they were prostitutes, but I don't remember paying. Okay, how about that? <laughs> how about that? Yeah, yeah how about that? Terrific. Huh? I'm a person, too, Pop, goddammit. I'm a person, too. You're a moron. <sighs> okay. The best man, everybody. Best man. The better man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, we've all done crazy things in our lives, so. He's playing the guitar now, isn't that great? Hey. He's doing good. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. It's because I'm the best guitar player in the world. Yeah, self-taught, no lessons. Thank you very much, Pop. <laughs> After that display, Robbie saves the day and cleans up the mess left by the best man by giving a heartfelt dedication to the bride and groom. 
Next, we get George, played by Alexis Arquette, who takes over on vocals. George is a doppelganger for Boy George, of course. George Stitcher here is going to take over on lead vocals, so take it away, George. Give me time to realize my cry. Let me love and stay. This is scary. Yeah. I have days. Like her. Inside your eyes. How can love be real? <laughs> Do you really want to hurt me? Good save, wedding singer. Well, it's not really quite the room for George's talents, but Buscemi loved it. During George's performance, Robbie talks to his buddy Sammy, played by Alan Covert, who is a limo driver. Sammy is interested in the waitress at the party named Julia, played by Drew Barrymore. Her sister Holly, played by Christine Taylor, is supposedly of the looser sort. So Sammy just assumes Julia will be an easy scorer like her sister. So while taking a break, Robbie helps out a teenager who drank too much booze and ends up puking his guts out near the dumpster. Eventually, Robbie runs into Buscemi and Julia as well. Hey, oh, I, I got it. Uh, actually, you know what? You go this way, and you go this way. No, it's I, for the best. God. All right, take it easy. Right. See you later. Sleep it off, pal. All right. Hey, you know, wedding singer. <laughs> okay. Are you drinking, too? No. It's Coca-Cola. You sure there's no rum in that Coca-Cola? I'm not a big drinker. And if it was, I'd be puking in there more than that kid. Oh, uh, I don't think anybody could puke more than that kid. I think I saw a boot come out of him. <laughs> You're the wedding singer. Yeah. How you doing? I'm Robbie. I'm Julia. I'm actually waitressing at your wedding next week. Cool. That's a beautiful ring you have there. Are you getting married soon? Actually, I don't know how serious the guy is who gave this to me. Right now, I feel like I'm doomed to wander the planet alone forever. Oh, no. Kind of like the Incredible Hulk, huh? Yeah. Only I'm not helping people. Well, that's not true because I saw you inside. You were helping people. You were giving them uh, fish and coffee and forks. People can't eat without forks. And they can't drink without a fish. That's right. I think, what does that mean? I don't know. You lost me back at the Hulk. Hey. <laughs> hey, Rock. You yes. gotta get back in there. They're starting to turn on George. Do you no. want to turn me? You suck! You gotta learn a new song. But, uh, okay, well, it was nice to meet you. It was nice meeting you, too. And if I do ever get married, maybe you'll sing at my wedding. Oh, man, it's a deal. Okay. Okay, take care. Yeah. 
much better. Man, you're going to blow everybody away at your 50th anniversary party. If I sing to Frank without making any mistakes, he would know how hard I worked and how much I still love him after all these years. I hope 50 years from now, Linda and I are as happy as you two guys. Oh, you will be. It runs in your family. You're a born romantic, just like your father was. Yeah. I know they'll be looking down on you tomorrow. I hope so. Are you nervous? I'm actually not that nervous. You know, I'm around weddings all the time. It's going to be fun. Uh, not about the wedding. Uh, about the wedding night. Will this be your first time with intercourse? Well, don't be ashamed, you know. When I got married, I wasn't a virgin. I already had intercourse with eight men. You know, that's actually something I don't want to know about. That was a lot back then. That would be like 200 today. Yeah, uh, it's 5 o'clock. I'm going to get going. Oh, but your payment. My payment. Uh, can I get it to go? Oh, you're such a sweet boy. Let your old woman take you with me. Oh, yeah, well, they taste so good, it's like I'm ripping you off, Rosie. I don't have any clean Tupperware. All right, well, definitely next time, okay? Well, oh, don't be silly. Now, hold out your hands. You want to, uh... Okay. Oh, cool. Thanks a lot. Now, please... Take a bite so that I can watch you enjoy. That's my favorite part. Oh, okay. Well, I'll go with the right one. That <laughs> looks good. That's good meatball. That's good meatball. <laughs> now, listen to me, Robbie Hart. You're going to be a fine husband. <laughs> oh, I hope so, Rosie. Thank you. Okay, well, I'm going to leave. I'll see you at the wedding, all right? Well, thank you for coming in and taking me to lunch. Look at the picture of that girl. See that? You're a lot prettier than that girl, and she's getting married. What does pretty have to do with getting married? Everything. You gotta get married before your hips start spreading and you get facial hair, which, by the way, comes from your father's mother. Looks like Magnum P.I., for God's sake. So while it seems Robbie is all set for wedding bliss, Julia's still wondering if her fiancé will ever set a date to marry her. As you heard from the last clip, Robbie is genuinely a nice person who has an ease to talking to kids or drunks, engage women, and of course his prized student Rosie, who's about to celebrate her 50th wedding anniversary. We then cut to Robbie's wedding day, and things don't go as planned, to say the least. Perhaps we should call her? Ah... Uh. She's probably got a makeup problem or her dress or something. I know where she likes to look her best. It'll be okay. Robs. Hi, Robs. I just got off the phone with Linda's mom. Linda's not there, but there was a note. A note? Everything all right? 
Yeah, she's okay. It basically indicated that Linda was not coming today. So it was a bad note. Did she say why? It's okay. You want me to say something? No. Just give me a second. I'll, I'll be right back. Don't worry, man. Everything's gonna be alright. Come on, it's a nice day for a white wedding. Can we turn this crap off, please? That's right, Robbie. You have to let it out, man. Let what out? Your feelings, you know. About what that lousy bitch did to you today. Don't call it that. Because we're going to get back together, and then there's going to be weirdness between you and me, so just watch it. I made this for you, Uncle Robbie. Oh, thanks, Freddy Krueger. That's not nice. Very creative, though. Go back to the boiler room. I just wish I knew where she was, you know? Man, he's taking it pretty bad. I mean, he's acting like a real robot. A zombie or something, dude. Been wanting to get married since the third grade. It makes sense. That's when mom and dad died. He wants to start a family of his own. Hey, check out the cake. It's only a little groom on top. some more time I guess I can wait oh, I don't need more time Robbie I don't ever want to marry you geez you know that information might have been a little more useful to me yesterday I've been talking to my friends the last couple of days oh here it comes and I think I figured out what's been bothering me I'm not in love with Robbie now I'm in love with Robbie six years ago. Robbie, the lead singer of Final Warning. And I used to come and watch you from the front row in your spandex pants, your silk shirt unbuttoned. Look at the microphone like David Lee Roth. I still got the spandex. I'll put them on right now. The point is, I woke up this morning and I realized I'm about to marry a wedding singer? I am never going to leave Ridgefield. Why do you need to leave Ridgefield? We grew up here. All our friends are here. It's the perfect place to raise a family. Oh, yeah. Living in your sister's basement with five kids while you're off every weekend doing wedding gigs at a whopping 60 bucks a pop? Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! The 
fact is, we grew apart a long time ago. You just wanted to get married so badly you didn't care to who. That's not true. I'll spend the rest of my life with you. Hey, Linda! You're a bitch! Thanks, Pete. Go back to the house. While Robbie is devastated, Julia is finally getting the news she's always wanted from Glenn, played by Matthew Glaive. He's bought tickets to Las Vegas for them to get married on the Strip. While Julia is thrilled that Glenn has finally set a date, she prefers a traditional wedding in town. Glenn finally realizes it's best to give in and have the local wedding to make Julia happy. Depressed for days, Robbie hasn't left the basement of his sister's house where he lives. Sammy decides to come and visit to try to cheer him up. You have to go back to work. You know there's going to be over a hundred drunk girls at this wedding tonight. I had nothing to offer anybody. I haven't done jack since high school. Why would any girl ever marry me? Marry you? I'm just trying to get someone to play with your ding-dong. to a great start, don't you think? I mean, Cindy showed up, so right away, Scott, you gotta be pretty psyched, right? Hey, buddy, I'm not paying you to hear your thoughts on life. I'm paying you to sing. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! You know, it's funny. Some of us will never, ever find true love. Like take, for instance, me. And I'm pretty sure that guy right there. And that lady with the sidebars. And basically everybody at table nine. Uh But the worst thing is that me, fatty, sideburns lady, and the mutants over at table nine. We'll never ever find a way to better the situation because apparently we have absolutely nothing to offer the opposite sex. You are the worst wedding singer in the world, buddy. Sir, one more outburst. I will strangle you with my microphone wire. You understand me? Now let's cut this stupid cake, because I know the fat guy's going to have a heart attack if we don't eat again soon. And while we do that, here's a little mood music for you. Sydney and Scott are newlyweds. 
she loves this guy right here and he loves somebody else you just can't win and so it goes until the day you die this thing they call love is gonna make you cry i hate you i've had the blues the rich and the pinks one thing for sure Love stinks. Love stinks. Yeah, yeah. 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 After that rousing rendition of Love Stinks by the Jay Giles band, Julia finds Robbie laying in the trash dumpster outside and tries to cheer him up by offering him a gig to play at her wedding. But he's still too depressed to do anything. And then babysitting his nephews doesn't help either. Variety oh. Hey, Rob is here! Oh, the goofball brothers! Is it true that you're in the middle of a nervous breakdown? No. Nervous breakdown! Nervous breakdown! Who said that? Everybody's been saying that. Everybody? You're eight years old. You only know your parents. What are you talking about? Is it true that you're going to end up in a mental institution? Cuckoo's nest! Cuckoo's nest! No! Hey, 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 kids. Now, remember what we talked about? Go over there and watch some television. (laughs) Robbie and Sammy make an appearance at Julia's engagement party, and for the first time in weeks, Robbie's in a better mood, thanks to Julia's warm and welcoming nature. Robbie also decides to perform at different events like bar mitzvahs. Robbie ends up befriending a kid at the party who is bummed that the girl he asked to dance said no to his request. However, Robbie and Julia decide to cheer up the kid by having Julia dance with the kid during the special slow dance. Robbie is starting to return to his normal fun-loving self again thanks to Julia. Julia is grateful for Robbie's help with the wedding planning as he knows all the locals and where to get the best values for wedding plans. However, her auditions for wedding singers aren't going great. Yes, it's ladies' night, and the feeling's right. Oh, yes, it's ladies' night. Oh, what a, oh, what a night. Oh, yes, it's ladies' night, and the feeling's right. Man, I've never seen it from this perspective before. Is this what I look like? No, 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 you're much better than him. He's ridiculous. Single baby, mm, sophisticated mama. Come on, you disco lady. Save me in that mama. Yes, it's ladies night. Oh, what a night. Chakon. Thank you. This is Jimmy Moore saying that ain't no sock in my garage. Okay, take four, everybody. Hey, yeah, Jimmy, that was, that was really good, man. Thank you. Hey, no, thank you. For what? For quitting. Or should I thank Linda? My business has tripled. Well, you've just inspired me to hire a DJ. So thank you. Oh. Well, good luck finding a DJ who can move and shake like this. 
<laughs> John Lovitz is priceless in his brief cameo. So after watching that train wreck, Julia asks Robbie why he became a wedding singer. Of course, that was never the plan, and he performs a new song that he's working on. Kind of just wanted to be a songwriter, you know? I think that's the hardest thing, to write a song. A song that, uh, you know, when people hear it, they go, Whoa, I know what that guy was feeling when he wrote that. Have you written anything lately? Yeah, I guess. Will you play it for me? You don't want to hear it's not good. No, I'm sure it is. It's just I wrote half of it when I was with Linda, and I wrote the other half after we broke up, so it's a little uneven, you know? Well, I don't mind. I'd like to hear it. Yeah, all right. Yay. Okay, I just want to warn you that uh, when I wrote this song, I was listening to The Cure a lot, so. Okay. Here we go. You don't know how much I need you. all the benefits <laughs> after that song julia and robbie go get some ice cream and we get a bit of foreshadowing of things to come thank you for the ice cream it always cheers me up so it's my pleasure you're weird being in this place you know linda and i used to come here all the time we used to get chocolate shakes may i ask what happened with linda she won the right one, I guess. Did you have any idea she wasn't the right one when you were together? I should have. Uh, I remember we went to Grand Canyon one time. We were flying there, and I'd never been there before. And Linda had. So you would think that she would give me a window seat, but she didn't. And not that that's a big deal, you know, but just there were a lot of little things like that. I know that sounds stupid. Not at all. 
I think it's the little things that count. This leads to a fun montage of Julia, Robbie, and her friends going around town for more wedding planning. I'm going to hire him. Not only is he your best friend, but he's the only limo driver in town. Yeah, I just like having fun with Okay. Wow. Look at him go. Better move it, man. You're not going to make it. You hit two cones. Those could have been people. Those could have been guests at her wedding. They were cones. Every day, every day, every day, every day I read the book. Chapter one. That was fun today, wasn't that fun? That was fun. I got the job, right? Yeah, you did. So August 5th, a week from today. Hey, someone left a jacket in the back. That's Julia's jacket. Remember? She took it off on Knoxon Street. She said it's not jacket weather anymore. Uh-oh. What? You like her. No, I don't. Of course you do. She's a cool chick with a hot ass. How's this? You talk about her ass again, I'll break your neck. Anyway, she told me she likes you. Really? She said that? No! I mean, think about it. It's gonna be your first kiss as a married couple. It's perfectly acceptable to open your mouth. I just would not want to do that in a church in front of God and all of our relatives. I mean, it would gross them out. So me like... Ugh, no one will ever solve that. Hi! Hi! You forgot your jacket in the limo. Thank you for bringing it back. That's so nice of you. Uh, it was. Okay. I'll see you later, all right? Have fun today. Hey, wait. Wait a second. Maybe, maybe he can help us. You're the expert on this. We were just having a debate about wedding kisses. I say that it's okay for it to be an open mouth kiss. And I say that it's the type of occasion where people dress up so it's not appropriate. I see. <laughs> what do you want to do? I mean, thin, tight mouth and it's over? No. Thin. Partially opened, no tongues over. No tongue, please. God, there's got to be a little tongue. Well, maybe a little tongue. Not porno tongue. Church tongue. Church tongue, I like <laughs> Church tongue? What? What is that? I don't know how to describe it. Well, show me. Not, not on me. Hey, how about on him? You don't mind, do you? Uh, Come on, just hold still. Julia, go ahead. <laughs> Come on, we're all adults here. I'm gonna have to see it if I'm gonna make an educated decision. Well, if it's for educational purposes. Good, okay. All right, you ready? I now pronounce you husband and wife. You may kiss the bride.
was great. Julia, you should do that at the wedding. I gave her the jacket. Hey, Jules. Hey, Holly. Hey. Hey. I kissed her, but it didn't mean anything. I just brought her the jacket. Kissed who? Oh, me. Who hasn't? You want to play a record? No, Jules, it doesn't play records. It plays CDs. <laughs> it's a CD player. I'll be upstairs hooking it up. Oh, my God, Rocky is so amazingly cute. I think I should go out with him. Yeah, I mean, why not? You're single and he's single. It makes sense. Well, hey, if you don't want me to, I won't do it. Well, why would I not want you to? Good, then I'm going out with him. <laughs> While Julia isn't completely thrilled that her sister wants to go out with Robbie, she really can't say anything because it would show her true feelings towards Robbie. In the meantime, Robbie has an interesting talk with the always spunky Rosie. Sure you know what you're doing up there? Uh, don't worry. You've got to stay in shape so other men will look at you. That way, your husband knows you're still attractive. Yeah, well, just don't drop a dumbbell on your head. <laughs> so, you still haven't been dating anyone new, have you? No, not yet. Is it your confidence? Are you nervous about your penis? Uh, what? Well, are you nervous about showing a new girl your penis? You were comfortable showing it to Linda, but now you might have to show your penis to someone new. What's the matter with you? Don't, don't talk about that. You know, I was at your bris when you were a baby, and I saw it. It wasn't huge, but it had some size. Don't worry about it. I'm not worried about it. Next subject, quick. It had good shape. What's the matter with you? And when they cut the extra skin off, the penis itself was very clean. Well, that's great. Jeez. <laughs> I'm going to ask a girl out when I'm ready, Rosie. Oh, well, let me help you practice until you are. Now, I'll be a young girl, and you'll be Robbie. So ask me out. I don't want to do this. Hello, sir. Hello. Is there something you want to ask me? Okay. Would you like to go to dinner with me sometime? No. Your penis is too small. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. As I said, it had some size. Okay. Julia then stops by to reluctantly ask if Robbie wants to go out with Holly on a double date with her and Glenn. Robbie isn't thrilled, but agrees. The club date does not go well, as expected, and Julia drinks way too much and gets sick. But we hear these gems at the club. You should look into the bond market. That's where the money is. Glenn's and junk bonds. <laughs> Jules, it's high yield bonds. I tell people you're in junk waitressing? My grandmother gave me a savings bond when I was a kid. I get uh, $25 in 1993, so that'll be good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, don't you think we look great together? Yeah. David Bowie playing. He's the best. You know, I think he's coming to town in September. I love David Bowie. When I get excited. <laughs> 
my little China girl. She says, oh baby, just you shut your mouth. <laughs> shut your mouth. All right, we all know the words. God, I love David Bowie. He is so sexy. You think the time to make the donuts guy is sexy. <laughs> Sunday's a big day, huh? I don't even know your last name. It's Gulia. Gulia. Julia's last name is gonna be Gulia. Julia Gulia. That's funny. Why is that funny? I don't know. While Julia pukes in the bathroom, Robbie chats with Glenn. Glenn, like the arrogant prick he is, has no issues divulging that he constantly cheats on Julia. Robbie is less than impressed and is disgusted by Glenn's arrogance. After getting Julia into Glenn's car, which is a DeLorean, by the way, Robbie takes Holly home. So, Holly, what do you think of this Glenn guy? You think he's trustworthy? Yeah, you better be. Yeah. But who cares about Glenn? You know what I keep thinking about? What? That soft kiss from the other day. It looked really nice. Oh, yeah. Did it feel good? I don't know. I don't... don't remember. Could I refresh your memory? Julia's staying at Glenn's tonight. Oh. Look, Robbie, I know that you're shy, and I know that you've been hurt, so I'm gonna make this really easy on you. If you come upstairs, you're gonna get laid. Wow. Nobody's ever said that to me before. <laughs> I'm telling you, my head's kind of a mess right now. Julia's staying at Glenn's tonight, huh? Yeah. Does she stay over there a lot? Yeah. Really? Oh, my God. What? I can't believe I never noticed it before. What? Thing for Julia. Oh, no, I don't. I don't. I I think she's a very nice girl, but she's marrying that jerk-off. Hey, I mean, you know why she's marrying him, don't you? The money thing? Security? A nice house? Uh, I guess that's important to some people. No, it's... It's not important to some people, Robbie. It's important to all people. Really? Well, then I guess I'm in big trouble. The next morning, a very hungover Julia finds out that nothing happened between Holly and Robbie. And also, Julia gets a wake-up call about the reasons why she wants to marry Glenn. She doesn't actually want to marry him for his money, so if it's not for that, why would she actually want to be with someone like Glenn? In turn, Robbie decides that the only way to get a great woman is to get a better-paying job. And we get a cameo from Kevin Nealon. Do you have any experience? 
No, sir, I have no experience, but I'm a big fan of money. I like it. I use it. I have a little. I keep it in a jar on top of my refrigerator. I'd like to put more in that jar. That's where you come in. So that last scene of Robbie interviewing at the bank is based on a sketch in Saturday Night Live, uh, which featured Tom Hanks and Keith Richards and also included Kevin Nealon. Robbie returns home to find Julia waiting for him. They get into a brief argument about why Julia wants to marry Glenn. Now, Robbie says it's because of money, and Julia calls him an asshole and walks away. And then she throws the gift that she made for him in the air, which was stationary with his name on it so that he could write original songs on them. Robbie feels awful now. Anyways, I'm confused. Well, because you like her. I think I'm in love with her. But I gotta get that out of my head, you know. Now I'm, I'm just, I'm gonna be like you, man. I'm just gonna be with a different chick every night and then I'll send them packing. Sounds like you got it all figured out. I mean, I, I'm, I'm gonna have to give them cab money to go home because I'll feel bad if I don't. But after that, it's bye-bye, Birdie. Bye-bye. That's it, man, starting right now. Me and you are gonna be free and happy the rest of our lives. I'm not happy. I'm miserable. Uh, what? See, I grew up idolizing guys like Fonzie and Vinny Barbarino because they got a lot of chicks. You know what happened to Fonzie and Vinny Barbarino? Yeah, I read that Fonzie wants to be a director and Barbarino, I think, the Mechanical Bull movie, I didn't see it yet. Their shows got canceled because no one wants to see a 50-year-old guy hitting on chicks. So what are you saying? What I'm saying is all I really want is someone to hold me and tell me that everything is gonna be all right. Everything is gonna be all right. If you found someone you can love, you can't let her get away. You're right, man. Thank you, Sam. Don't tell anyone what I said. All right, there's about 25 minutes left, and I don't want to spoil the outcome for those that haven't seen the film. However, for those that have seen the film and know what's going to happen, I will discuss the later outcome with the great guys from the Grown Up Rock podcast, Stephen Michael and Sonny Pooney, later in this episode. 
So while I enjoy a great deal of Adam Sandler films, this is often the top pick for many people as their favorite Sandler flick, and no matter what Ebert thinks. Uh, it was hard to deny the charm of this film, along with the undeniable chemistry between Sandler and Drew Barrymore. They should continue to make films together. And if you haven't seen Fifty First Dates or Blended, I recommend those as well. And always remember the jinx that led to Van Hagar. Is Robbie here? I'm afraid he's uh, indisposed. Shower. You must be Linda. Yeah, that's me. Robbie's fiance. Who are you? I'm Julia Sullivan. Would you tell him that I came by to see him? Oh, yeah, I surely will, Jennifer. It's Julia. Wake up, sleepyhead. This is the first day of our new life together. Wake me up before you go, go. Don't leave me hanging up like a solo. Linda? Hi. What are you doing here? You passed out, so I took care of you. What? Why did you take care of me? I told you last night, Robbie, I realized I was wrong and I want to take care of you for good. I could learn to deal with the fact that you're just a wedding singer, not a rock star. I could even you learn to deal learn with... You can learn to deal with that? I want you to learn to deal with that. That's not how it works. Jeez. Oh, Robbie, maybe we should talk about this when you're feeling better. Hey, psycho, I'm not going to feel better about this. It's over. Please get out of my Van Halen t-shirt before you jinx the band and they break up. Also, don't forget Rosie's big rapping debut during her anniversary party. I said hip hop. I hit it to the hip, to the hip, hip hop. You don't stop the rock to the bang, bang, boom. They up, jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie, the beat. All right, some fun facts. The butterfly jean jacket that Julia wears throughout the movie really does belong to Drew Barrymore. The director, Frank Caracci, liked her jacket and told her to wear it as part of her costume. Carrie Fisher, Judd Apatow, and Adam Sandler worked uncredited on the script. So when Carrie Fisher was asked by the director to polish the script, she spent six months on it, making it her special mission to add heart and strength and dimension to the Drew Barrymore character, Julia. Thereafter, when she was asked to what their secret sauce was for script doctoring, she'd reply, well, make the women smarter and the love scenes better. Betty White was considered for the role of Rosie. So the role of Glenn Guglia was originally written with Jim Carrey in mind. Another consideration was Christopher McDonald, who played a similar role of Shooter McGavin in Happy Gilmore. Charlie Sheen, John Cryer, and Matthew Broderick were also considered. Now, Matthew Broderick was rejected because Adam Sandler thought he was too nice to play a villain. 
Sandler also has Ben Stiller, who also appeared in Happy Gilmore, but he was busy with There's Something About Mary. David Spade was also considered, but wasn't yet ready to take on a big role in a movie again because of the problems on set with Black Sheep, which came out in 1996. The film was originally slated to come out in the fall of 1997, but was pushed back by New Line Cinema to February of 1998 because they felt a romantic comedy would perform better closer to Valentine's Day. And this is why Adam Sandler, who otherwise had only one starring role per year throughout the period of 95 to 2000, had no releases in 97, but two in 98 because The Waterboy also came out in 98 uh, during football season, which was in November. So Adam Sandler originally asked his good friend Chris Farley to cameo near the end of the film as the ticket agent in the airport who books Robbie the flight to Vegas. The, you know, the guy with the Fox Seagulls haircut. Farley wanted to participate, but New Line refused to cast him because he was considered a liability because he had been to rehab so much because of his drug problems. Sandler tried to plead with New Line, assuring them that Farley was overcoming his drug problem, but they refused and another actor was cast. And of course, sadly... Chris Farley passed away a month and a half before the premiere of the film in December of 1997. All right, as I mentioned, we have a special crossover episode with the Grown Up Rock podcast, the great Stephen Michael and the great Sonny Pooney, and they discuss their thoughts on this film right now, and then on their podcast in a few days, we're going to create our own soundtrack album based on the variety of songs that were included in the film. It's a lot of fun. So let's listen to the boys now, talk about the movie, and in a couple of days, go over to the Grown Up Rock podcast and download our soundtrack crossover episode. And I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. All right, we're back, and we have another crossover episode, and it's with the terrific guys from the Growing Up Rock podcast. That is Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Welcome back, guys. What's up? Good to be back. You should have just said terrific guy, and I would have answered first. So, <laughs> whatever. It's always something with you guys. That's why we can never agree. And, you know, we do this little chat thing beforehand, and uh, I just found out it's a bait and switch with Sonny, because he's, he's just, it's all mind games with him. Is that true, Sonny, or, or, is, or am I, is this another mind game? It's, it's absolutely true, because what happens is, well, you know, we'll invite people to do album reviews with us or whatever, and I'll they don't know that I pick the album at times and I'll just start going, you know, hit the poo emoji or whatever. And <laughs> people are like, why are we reviewing this album? Sonny doesn't like it. It's all mind games. So how do you deal with this, Steven? Like how, how have you survived this long? Dude, that's why he gets the dick mark. <laughs> that's, that's all there is to it. He's, I, I get it. I can deal with it. It, it is what it is. I just ignore it most of the time, and that's why it works. Well, I will say, and I, I wish I, I, you guys can send it to me so I could throw it in here. One of the, my, the favorite things that Lindsay and I do now is anytime we say no to each other, it's never just no. It's now no, bumpkin. And so we, we just do that back and forth now. <laughs> Thanks to Eric Martin and, and uh, Stephen's brilliant question. I, I, do you guys remember what the question was when he actually when he said that back to you? I don't. No, bumpkin. I don't. I think uh, I think Eric might have said something, and then Stephen said, oh, you mean this, 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 and then <laughs> Eric responded, but I'm not positive on that. No, bumpkin. <sighs> Any, I, yeah, I could just make her laugh at any time. She's like, no, bumpkin. So, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, and the reason I'm talking about relationships is we are talking about The Wedding Singer, and, and this is like... 
probably the, the one of the the top rom coms of the you know the 1990s, even though it's it's totally flashback to the 80s. Prior to the film, were you guys fans of Sandler, whether it be Saturday Night Live or his totally filthy comedy albums, or even films like Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, or actually one of Sonny's favorites, which is actually going to be an episode uh, Bulletproof with Damon Wayans. So we'll, we'll start with, with Steven on this one. Was it all of the above with Sandler before this movie? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, definitely fans of Happy Gilmore and uh, Billy Madison and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been on your, your show a couple <laughs> times regarding other Sandler movies. So, yeah, I, I just I dig it. I don't have to overthink it. It's, it's goofy and it's funny. It makes me laugh. Yeah, for me, I didn't really get Saturday Night Live, so I never really watched it. Um, comedy albums, I pretty much stuck to like Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor and those guys. Uh, it was movies for me. And I like that he's funny without having to be slapstick. And it's funny without having to be like naked gun goofy, which is interesting because that his yeah and his comedy albums are completely like Saturday Night Live, though even filthier. So he really kind of gained a following, and also also with his song parodies. Did you guys get into his song parodies, or that might be something that we'll get into later on the crossover episode when it comes to his music? So how about how about the songs, Sonny? Uh, the songs I heard really after the movies, doing deep dives. I think I liked the vocal tone of him screaming kind of like when Jerry Seinfeld starts screeching, like there's just a, a thing that they got that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, overall song parodies, I'm just not a big fan of song parodies to begin with. I didn't love weird Al either. Mm. Like I, I tolerate it, but it's not something I go to. Got it. How about you, Steven? Yeah. in in small doses, I can do the song things, but that's not really why I was a fan of, of Adam Sandler. I just, I liked some of the raunchy and goofy comedy and, uh, you know, I could take those, those songs in small doses. I will add that I saw Adam Sandler live for the first time, probably a couple of years ago or so. And, uh, he was pretty entertaining. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, I didn't pay for a ticket. I got tickets uh, because I was working, but uh, it was definitely uh, worthwhile. I mean, he told a lot of stories. It was very personable, even though it was in an arena. And, uh, you know, he's got a lot of fans. It's crazy. Well, yeah. And, and as we're recording this in, in the end of 2023, he's on tour and uh, I was thinking about seeing him. So that's 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 good. Did you guys see The Wedding Singer in the theater? And was the draw to the film initially uh, because of the 80s setting or was it, you know, simply another Adam Sandler movie? You guys like the other ones. So you're going to go check it out and we'll go with Steven on this one. So I can never really remember since this was a late 90s movie. I'm not sure whether I was still going to movies on the regular. If I did, it was probably some sort of a like date night thing. Uh, because other than that, I don't know by the late 80s I was or by the late 90s I was going to movies with with friends at that point. So I doubt it. Okay. How about you, Sonny? Yeah, by the time the late 90s run around. Uh, Nicole and I are just starting our relationship, really. So we're like about two or three years in at this point. And I guarantee that this was a blockbuster rental Mm. that we were at home drinking. We did Takeout Taxi. You remember Takeout Taxi? No. I never heard that. That was like the original DoorDash. Wow. And we would do Takeout Taxi with Max's. Remember the restaurant Max's? I do remember that. Yes. 
they used to have these cheese sticks that were like as thick as huge egg rolls. <laughs> and that was kind of our go-to. So we would, you know, have the bottle of Jack in front of us, order takeout taxi, get a couple of movies, and basically just chow down. You guys were ahead of the time doing the, the you know, the takeout taxi for DoorDash. Oh, yeah. So do you guys DoorDash now? I mean, we're going off on a tangent here, but do you guys DoorDash or do you prefer to go out? Yeah, we don't DoorDash as much anymore because, you know, with both of us working and blah, blah, we don't really uh, eat together anymore. And if we do, we try to go out. But back, But we don't drink anymore either. Right. right. Back in those days, it was like, look, we're trying to figure each other out. We're trying to figure out if we can last. That's a totally different part of the relationship. It's like your relationship right now. Like you're still at the beginning of could we last? And I'm sure you're figuring that out every day as time goes by. But yep. now we're 20 some odd years later. We're going to be shit about DoorDash. <laughs> so many say this is easily, you know, Adam Sandler's best film. Even non-fans kind of enjoy this film in particular. What about this film is is that much different than others? Because, you know, the the ridiculous comedy is still there. Is it because Drew Barrymore is his main co-star? What do you, what do you think, Stephen? I think they definitely have a chemistry together. You know, I mean, she's so the girl next door type situation and I don't necessarily think he's the guy next door, but there's definitely like a very um, identifiable behavior that he has. And especially in The Wedding Singer, uh, there's a lot of like really charming kind of nice qualities to him. Uh, And for whatever reason, it just it works with the two of them. I mean, for the most part, I've enjoyed most of the movies that they've done together, uh, you know, 51st Dates was another one that was really good. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I, I I think there's just something about the two of them. Yeah, and I would recommend Blended as well. It didn't get as much love, but uh, I enjoyed that one as well. Sonny, what do you think? Is it because of Drew Barrymore or is it, you know, what what's the draw here? Yeah, I think it's two things. One is it's a timepiece movie that they set in 1985. So you never have to worry about it kind of being out of style and not holding up because right out of the gate, they made it 13 years older than they were. Mm-hmm. Right. So they kind of put a timestamp on it that will live forever. So that's one thing. And the other thing is, dude, there is no way any rational person cannot like Robbie and Julia. Mm-hmm. It is impossible to hate on those two guys. So they played their character so well and it's written so well that because it's a rom-com, this movie will last forever because of those two characters. And, you know, I know there were supposed to be other people that could have played Drew's part, and we might talk about that, but mm-hmm. they did that that part very well. So just like Stephen said, part of it is chemistry, and part of it's the parts really connected with who they are. Yeah, absolutely. And one of my, I mean... This is one of my favorite movie pairings of couples is Sandler and Barrymore. They just have that natural chemistry and um, you can tell they kind of actually enjoy each other. It doesn't seem like, a, you know, an act. And if you don't agree, who would you and Sonny kind of already brought it up. Would you have rather seen someone else besides Drew? I mean, what, what would have been your plan B if Drew said no? And we can we can go with Sonny on this one. Yeah. So, you know, you do a little research on this movie, you know, that. Ask Jennifer Aniston, Nicole Kidman, Lori Laughlin, Pamela Anderson. I'm not <laughs> sure any of those guys could have pulled this off. J-Lo, maybe. And they hmm. asked J-Lo. Natalie Portman, probably yes. Right? That she could have probably pulled it off. I think because Julia's character is very quirky, the lisp 
plus the quirkiness of how Drew, you know, got her hair and kind of how she's very innocent. She played that part very well. What Drew can't pull off is sexy. Exhibit mm-hmm. A, Charlie's Angels, right? Like, right. She, to me, she can't pull that off. But this, she hit a home run. I'm not sure anybody could have done that. Yeah, and it's funny about Jennifer Aniston because eventually they, her and Sandler would would co-star in a lot of things as well, including just go with it. Stephen, would would there be a plan B if if Drew couldn't have done it for you? You know who might do a good job is maybe like Leslie Mann. Mm, yeah, you know I could see her pulling that off. Uh, you know I think maybe Christine Taylor, who plays her her best friend, might even be able to do something. And that brings up my, you know, a good question is, okay, so you had to choose between two, Drew Barrymore, Christine Taylor, who do you go with? And it might be for different reasons. So, Stephen, who would you, if you had your choice, who are you going with? I'm going with, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to, to not see Drew in that role now. Yeah. And there's just too, too many girl next door qualities to her that work in this particular movie. And like to Sonny's point, I love the 85 thing man mm-hmm. i mean it's it's so fun uh at the age we are now to go back and watch these movies even if it's you know sort of uh tongue in cheek a lot of it is you know a lot of it is right right so as as a person though like just in your if you had if you had, if you had the choice to date drew or christine taylor for you who would you pick uh, man i like the girl next door i would say drew drew's probably more my type and I, I think I have a feeling who Sonny's going to pick. <laughs> uh, dude, it's not even close. <laughs> Christine Taylor basically will tell you you're getting laid. That <laughs> takes all the pressure off. Are you kidding me? There's no way I'm not going with Christine. Uh, I think Ben Stiller agrees. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, when you think of 80s, fashion has to come to mind. What are your some? You know, what are the most regrettable fashion choices you guys made during the 80s? Because both of you were in your prime, you know, during in your life to make these poor fashion choices. And we'll start with Sonny because he's always got something interesting. Oh God damn that members only jacket! I had <laughs> one. I wore it when it was 110 degrees. I wore it when it was 55 degrees. I don't know why. It literally it was like this. It was like a, not a dark blue, I would say just kind of a navy blue. And it had like wind, cheap-ass windbreaker basically written all over it. I do not know why I wore that thing constantly. (laughs) And what about you, Stephen? (laughs) Obviously, the spandex would be (laughs) part of it, along with some long coats and scarves might be a little bit much, but yeah. Did either one of you have a mullet? Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, you couldn't. You couldn't. Uh, a mullet was part of the stage of growing your hair out. So mm-hmm. if you were in the process of growing your hair out, uh, it was inevitable that you were going to have a mullet at some point. <laughs> and so in the 80s, the idea was to get to that big hair. Well, right. coming out of high school, you started with not long hair, at least I did. And the majority of people I know probably same thing, right? They didn't, everybody only had a handful of friends that maybe had long hair at the time. So uh, in order to get to that long hair, you got to go through mullet phase. It's just part (laughs) of it. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm a normal person. So when I went (laughs) long hair, it all grew at the same time, not just (laughs) on the back. So I'm not exactly sure where Steven got that, but whatever. 
Party and back, uh, business in front. That's right. That's right. Okay, so side characters are always a big staple of Sandler films. Uh, who are some of your faves in the in the Wedding Singer? Oh uh, well, to begin with, I really enjoyed uh, the um, limo driver, his limo driver buddy, and then the, probably one of the unsung uh, guys because he wasn't in it a ton was the guy that's always in the mobster movies. That it was his. Uh, uh, what was he? His brother-in-law, right? He was married to his sister. I think that's oh, right. Yeah, he's got like jet black hair. Yeah, Frank Severo. Yeah, yeah. That that guy was uh, was very very funny. You know, casually funny uh, when he only had a few parts to work with, and you're used to also seeing him in pretty you know gnarly gangster flicks. Yeah, you know Alan Colbert who was Sammy, that, yep. that's a given because, you know, he was brave enough to wear that stupid Michael Jackson thing. In the <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, notice the second time you see him in the jacket, he's got no glove on. That's right. Um, <laughs> but the other one that I liked was Glenn, right? So uh, Matthew Glaive, you know, mm-hmm. Jim Carrey was supposed to get that part. And my problem with Jim is, yeah, he's funny and he's great movies and I love him. And he can play the bad guy, but he has a hard time pulling off sleazy. Right. And and Matthew Glaive did a much better job pulling off the sleeves. Yeah. And I think the the other ones to, to mention, of course, having a drunk Steve Buscemi. Amazing. And mm-hmm. especially in the beginning, John Lovitz as the competing wedding oh, singer. Oh so good. <laughs> uh, Kevin Nealon as the banker was another like nice little drop. Um, obviously Alexis Arquette playing, you know, George, great, you know, kind of side joke the whole way through. Um, and then of course, uh, Billy Idol, you know, being in this and there's a tie in with that, that you guys will hear on Grown Up Rocks. So, I mean, that, that was when you guys, I mean, obviously people have seen this movie. I'm not giving much away when Billy Idol showed up at the end where you guys like, Oh my God. Or was it like, Oh my God, they got Billy Idol out of cobwebs. So Sonny, how did you feel when you first saw Billy Idol show up in this film? Well, I think the timepiece put it. In the Billy Idol bang zone, really. So mm-hmm. if you're looking at 1985, Billy's an icon by then. Sure. Uh, just because of those two albums that he had already released. So it didn't surprise me somebody like Billy was in the movie. It surprised me in 1998 because I'm not even sure anybody knew Billy Idol was still alive at the point. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, if you hadn't seen him in a while, it's like, holy shit, he aged quick. <laughs> Steven, how'd you feel? <laughs> yeah, I think anytime a rock musician shows up in a movie, especially as themselves, I dig it. So I, I dig it, but I'm with Sonny on all all that he said on that as well. It uh definitely I didn't think he looked too bad, actually, especially because this would have been post, I think, a lot of his like wrecks and stuff. He had a couple of gnarly motorcycle wrecks and things like that and messed up his leg and all that other stuff. So uh, I thought he looked okay. Yeah. I mean, the whole reason the cradle love video is the way it is, is because he couldn't do anything. (laughs) They had to put him in the background. So, yeah. Um, So again, as big rock guys, for obvious reasons, you guys must have loved the scene with the Van Halen t-shirt and and the, in the breakup scene. So Steven, when you saw that, was that a, was that a good chuckle for you? It was a good chuckle. And I mean, that's one of the things I enjoyed about the movie is a lot of the innuendos that he throws out there, you know, especially, you know, knowing it's supposed to be 85 and, and the movie's released in 98. So it's, it's kind of like all these 
things like, uh, hey, d- don't do this. Van Halen's going to break up, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, I enjoyed that. There were a couple of other ones as well uh, in the movie. I just don't remember them off the top of my head. And Sonny, were you like, you know what? Fuck you guys. I like Van Hagar. How did you feel about the joke? Yeah, I thought it was a good joke, and I do love Van Hagar. <laughs> what I appreciated about this movie is unlike the Queen movie, whoever set up the music and the pieces of the history that was supposed to happen hit the timeline correctly. Yeah. Right? Like all the music that was played was 85 or before. All of the stuff they were talking about, 85 or before. Like somebody actually went through and did that right for once because that just bugs the holy hell out of me Mm -hmm. that a song's playing and it's from 1988. I'm like, dude, it's a 1985 piece. What are you doing? Yeah, you got to have the continu- continuity, and in this day and age, there's no reason not to have it. it. A simple internet search can get you all of that. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so this is going to be a fun one. You guys are both married. Do you have any wedding band stories, good or bad, from your past? And did you guys actually have bands at your weddings? We'll start with Sonny. I did a DJ. So we did a DJ in karaoke. Mm-hmm. So we did not have a wedding singer because, you know, Wedding singers kind of end up being like karaoke anyway. The only difference is, I guess, you can change the melodies however you want. You can put the key wherever you want. But mm-hmm. you can technically do that with karaoke, too. And uh, the band is just, it's uh, complicated to get into the wedding. Plus, I had Nicole. Like, I'm Glenn. I just showed up. Nicole <laughs> set the whole thing. I golfed the morning of my wedding. And I took a nap the morning of my wedding. Right? Like, she did it all, and just like kind of like Glenn said, it's more important to her than it is to me. Like I, I'd have been fine flying to Vegas. Uh, Steven, did you have a wedding band? And did you get? And Sonny, you can jump in on this too. Did have you gone to weddings where there's wedding bands? And you're like, oh boy. <laughs> uh, I did not have a wedding band at my wedding. We had a DJ. Uh, mm-hmm. We had a morning wedding, uh, so you know it, it's not really the right place for a band. Uh, to be playing, but yeah, I've definitely been to weddings where there were bands playing. Probably one of the most memorable weddings I went to were these uh friends of my wife's uh getting married in in New York, and uh, they obviously had some money to their name because they mm. they spent some money on this wedding, and it was amazing and it was huge. They had like this pre pre reception reception before you even went to the reception they had like this irish folk band playing irish folk music and it was really pretty cool pretty nice then you went to the main reception and after that they had a full-on band playing uh you know just all kinds of covers whether it be you know uh rock or r&b or soul or whatever they just they played it all and uh they were really not too bad it was uh Hmm. it was pretty good my wedding was an all music themed type wedding. Like hmm. the guest had backstage laminates and uh, each table was named after a band. And, uh, you know, the DJ primarily played. Uh, I made the 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 uh, playlist for the DJ and said, here, this is what you're going to play. And, you know, it was all stuff that both of us enjoyed. So mm-hmm. uh, it was it was good. That's awesome. Uh, Sonny, have you been to weddings where you're like, oh boy, this wedding band, they should have just gone with a DJ? Uh, lucky for me, I've only been to one wedding that had a band. It was an Italian wedding. Hmm. 
And uh, it was like, a, I don't know, seven or eight piece. And they weren't really doing rock. They were doing a lot of kind of like background dinner type music, you mm. know, dressed up in tuxedos and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, the most memorable part of that wedding is a friend of mine that I went with, uh, we were all drinkers at the time. He didn't realize that wine is pretty potent. So <laughs> after his second bottle of wine, he gets up, starts dancing around, and fell into the cake before they cut it. So <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> now, was there video? I hope they filmed this. Uh, this was uh, early 2000s. I, I, I'm sure there's video out there. I don't have any video of it, but I'm sure it's out there. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so, I mean, th- that's stuff you would see on uh, America's Funniest Home Video back in the day. So, uh, if you had to hire a band, uh, let's say money was no object, and it was you could get, let's say, a Billy Idol or, or something like that, within reason, who would you guys pick as your band to play your party or, or whatever? Sonny, wh- who, who would you pick? I mean, obviously, getting you know, the Rolling Stones isn't going to happen, but within reason, who do you think you could get for, you know, $100,000? Uh, I'd probably go Hall of Notes. Hmm. I think... Uh Something like that would be pleasing to everybody. It's rock enough. It's pop enough. It's danceable enough. Um, you know, any covers they do is going to be pretty much Temptations or, you know, some sort of Motown or even a little more pop uh, than they normally are. Uh, and it's happy, upbeat music. And if it wasn't going to be a full band, I'd probably get like a singer that can really croon mm. um, and just, you know, acoustic guitar and you know, plays four or five songs during like the important dances and stuff like that. Steven, who would you go with? Well, I think it's cute that Sonny thinks he's getting Hall and Oates for a hundred grand. Uh, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> never know. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't getting Hall and Oates for no hundred grand, but that's cute. Uh, I don't know. I, I definitely think that, that I like the way that Sonny's thinking, like, you know, he, we can't go out and get, you know, somebody that's going to be like straight up hard rock or whatever. You got to do something with other people in mind. And uh, if you're going to go for a band, I would look at a band that did some sort of combination of pop R&B and, and rock uh, somewhere around there. Man, it's hard to even think like that. I think it's a great question. It's just one that I would need to think about a little bit longer. Uh, well, I'll, and, give, I'll buy you some time because I, I figured your choice would be the guy who did only 80s Joel and Step Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> or my pick actually would be, and, and it's not a famous band, but they're super fun. I'm a huge fan of Neil Diamond growing up. There was a band. I don't know if they're still around, at least in the Bay Area. They're called Super Diamond. And all they do is Neil Diamond covers. And uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun because I think that could, that could be cross-generation. So did that buy you enough time, Stephen? To, well, to you, you-, you know what? We've got a local band here that is fantastic called Departure that is a Journey cover band. Mm. And they would be really good to have because they're just, they're really, really good. Uh, so I, I enjoy uh, seeing them and they have a variety of stuff within the journey catalog that they could play that i think fans would love a mm-hmm. lot of that type stuff so they would be really good and uh if not that like uh i would definitely get um a acoustic singer songwriter guy that does a bunch of covers but does them sort of his own way as well that would be enjoyable as well since steven seems to be in the know how much do you think billy idol would cost to get a, to play a private party today yeah Oh, man. 
Well, so he played a 3,000-seater here in Atlanta and did pretty well on ticket sales uh, for Live Nation. So my guess is going to be 200, 250 maybe. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there because you figure, I mean – What's what's three? I, I can't do the math this quick, but this you is know, for Sunny to help out. Yeah, yeah Sunny, do the math. Three thousand <laughs> tickets times, let's say on average, fifty bucks a ticket. Uh, that's only one hundred fifty thousand, right? Is it? I don't know. Yeah. Oh uh, well, then so maybe a little less than that. Maybe I'm <laughs> I'm overshooting it. Then maybe. we've already got him for now. We can get him for a hundred. All right. Yeah, so maybe cool. you can get him for a hundred grand. Then that, yeah. maybe that's a fair uh, fair price. Nice. Okay, so we're going to wrap up with this, and we'll, we'll go with Sunny. W- were there any new things that you discovered from from watching this? And uh, and what we were talking about before this is we seem to discover new things when watching movies. Maybe because we don't watch them as often as we listen to music albums, you know, because we listen to music albums all the time, so it's maybe harder to catch things. So in this movie, you guys just watched it. What were the new things you caught, Sunny? Yeah. So I'm going to give you one quick one that's going to be easy, and then the other one. You're going to have to kind of watch the movie to understand. So the quick one is when the movie starts and Adam Sandler's playing, his drummer is like 600 years old. Did you <laughs> notice that? I did. <laughs> All right. So like George seems like, you know, he's probably in his 30s or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the drummer felt like he was in his 80s. So I, I had never noticed that before. Okay. But the bigger thing that I noticed that I was like, oh, my God, I had never seen that before. All right, so if you are a believer of that red and black is kind of like the devil's colors, think about when Adam comes back for his first job after being depressed for five days in the basement, (laughs) and he's doing holiday. Mm -hmm. If you go back and watch the movie, the entire wedding scheme is all red and black all of a sudden Mm. to give you a feeling of depression and that this wedding is like basically, you know, just a death sentence to everybody who's here. Kind of thing, <laughs> and then he and goes. I in. never noticed that before. Yeah, and I, I should. I never did either. That's a great call. And then, of course, he goes in the love stinks, which was great. Yeah, of course. Uh, Stephen, any new things you discovered from rewatching? I don't know if it was if I caught it the first time around, but it it hit me this time around, which was at Adam Sandler's wedding that doesn't actually happen. They have the mm. orchestrated version of "Don't Stop Believing," right. And I think I, I sort of missed that the first time around or I wasn't paying close attention to it. So that was one of the things that I caught. Okay. So final thoughts, Stephen. Uh, overall, I, I enjoy this movie. I mean, like I said, it's a great chemistry between the two of them. I love going back and looking at the things that they make fun of in the 80s because, you know, I think the 80s for me is the first real time where you can kind of remember like I was around in the 70s and I remember little things here and there, but not like the 80s because in the 80s you're in high school. So, your memory is really starting to form at that point. So there's a lot of stuff that I can remember from the eighties now. And so when I watch it back in, in films like this, even when they're making fun of it, it's just, it's, it just makes me laugh. Uh, and so it's just a good classic, uh, Sandler movie, you know, it goes right along with, uh, Billy Madison and happy Gilmore. It's, uh, it's great flick. Yeah. For me, timeline or, where you grew up, if the movie's within that timeline of your teenage years or early 20s, and if anything's set 
in like San Francisco or Oakland or something like that where you've been to that place, right? And you see it and you go, oh, my God, I've been there. They filmed that in that corner right there. That is always going to be of interest to me. Couple that with characters that are absolutely easy to fall in love with. The topic is for the ages. Like I said before, this movie will literally live forever. There's no reason for every generation not to enjoy this movie. Even if you didn't know anything about the 80s, it tells you enough. I think Mm -hmm. it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And if you didn't know already, so this comes out on Friday. We release uh, new episodes every Friday. And then we're this is a crossover episode. So you're going to have to go over to Growing Up Rock on Sunday. And it's going to be fun because we're going to discuss uh, our own Wedding Singer album from all of the songs. we the, the pool of songs is every song that was played in the film. So we then pick our own 10 song album. So it was like a vinyl record. So, you know, five or eight, five on each side. So uh, find out what we pick. On Growing Up Rock on Sunday. And and again, thank you guys so much for doing this. We always have such a good time. Everything's very creative. And uh, tell us what's probably coming up for you guys in the next few episodes. Well, we're going to have the wedding singer. Obviously. <laughs> That'll be <laughs> the next. That's why I had th- Stephen go first because he's Captain Obvious. But yeah, like other <laughs> things besides that. <laughs> there you go. That's the next episode, people. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah. But, uh, but after that, what are you guys going to do? But after the... Um, after the wedding singer one, we've got a, uh, you know, we do a lot of series stuff. So we've got an album series. You'll have to wait to see which album it is because I think it's actually a uh, listener pick at the mm. end of this month. And then also, you know, we do game shows and things like that. So we've got some cool things coming up and uh, yeah, it's all good. And one thing I want to say about this movie that we didn't really, I didn't touch on is not only is it a great Sandler movie, but it's, it's not so over the top raunchy that it's also a great date movie. Right. Yeah. So it's very good. And how about you, Sonny? Yeah. All is good. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you have a great movie. It's got a great soundtrack. So if you haven't heard the songs for a while, like it's, it's a great movie just because of that. I love that it's not raunchy. I think Adam Sandler has said he set out not to do any sex scenes because right. technically probably nobody wants to ever have sex with him, as I think is what he said. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, no, it's fun, and it's a great soundtrack. So, you know, how can you lose? And one thing, there is a tie-in here. Part of the reason I picked The Wedding Singer uh, because Stephen and Sonny are always asking for potential crossovers, and one of the reason is... Um, because by this it'll be already be out. I did appear on the Growing Up Rock podcast talking about Billy Idol and one of his seminal albums, which is Rebel Yell. So it dawned on me like maybe there could be a tie-in there. So uh, this is going to come out after that that episode is released because at the end of November, uh, Rebel Yell will come out on Growing Up Rock. So check that out as well if you haven't already. That's right. I originally uh, uh, threw a wrench in Brian's plans, and he had to, <laughs> he had to be flexible because I had I had different thoughts and plans. Uh, so we just got mixed up. But yeah, uh, the wedding the wedding singer is the crossover episode, and uh, go back and check out that uh, Billy Idol uh, Rebel Yell album review with Brian on it. Well, and I didn't want you to get sick of me. I was thinking of you guys. I thought that was way too much. Uh brian davis so you know we we always seem to do multiple episodes with brian every year so you know he's out there go back in our catalog and look up the brian davis episodes there's many of them there that's right that's right as is yeah i just realized i've sang at a wedding twice 
Oh my <laughs> God, there's probably video of that somewhere. I might what, have video of that. What songs did you sing? Can you remember? Uh, well, I was hammered at my own wedding by the time I sang. I think I sang Amazed by Lone Star because that was one of our songs. Mm. And then um, my brother had this bright idea of me singing at his wedding. So me and his sister-in-law sang from this moment that Shania Twain song. Mm. With, uh, and there's a version with that other country singer dude singing part of it. So that's the version that we did. And I remember uh, me and the sister-in-law had never met. We never practiced <laughs> together. So we the first time we did it was when we did it. And I think I was pretty hammered then, too. So uh, <laughs> I don't remember either one, but uh, I'm sure there's video out there. I was hoping for let's put the X in sex. Oh, uh, yeah. There yeah, you yeah go. So. <laughs> <laughs> or and, take and, me. And when Sonny says he's saying it, uh, the weddings, uh, we're going to use that term loosely, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever do karaoke, Stephen? Hells no, because I know I can't sing. <laughs> no, bumpkin. Yes, exactly. <laughs> again, thank you guys so much. It's always a blast. And again, check out the Growing Up Rock podcast whenever you can. It's wherever you download your podcast. You can find them. Thank you again, guys. Thanks, Bron. Thanks. If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video and San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday, and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain, Captain Video. Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.